So I'd like to dedicate this to Sarah. <laughs> so uh, I was going to give a brief primer on atrial fibrillation, uh, sort of the emergency department evaluation and management. Uh, so I'm de-identifying the patient information uh, so uh, to protect the innocent. Uh, I saw a patient that was, let's say, 57 years old that came in with a, a episode of paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. Uh, the rate was 145. Uh, and so what are the diagnostic and treatment considerations uh, based on that history for the emergency department? So as far as sort of uh, a framework for an approach, uh, generally the way clinicians think is they come up with a differential diagnosis uh, for what may be causing a particular sign or symptom. They come up with a workup, which will uh, change management uh, either by making a diagnosis or risk stratifying a patient to a certain uh, treatment or disposition plan. Um, they undergo, uh, they uh, evaluate the patient for various treatments and come up with a disposition plan. So in a patient with paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, uh, what are some of the things that you consider as far as a differential diagnosis? What are, what are causes that you've seen for either new onset AFib or uh, exacerbation of uh, chronic AFib? So it ends up... The things that we see most commonly for new onset AFib are people either without cause or if they have a cause, it's things like acute alcohol use, um, so-called holiday heart. Uh, other considerations are underlying uh, heart problems, so ischemic heart disease uh, where a patient is having a manifestation of unstable angina or lung conditions like a pulmonary embolism. Uh, so a good mnemonic uh, uh, that can be used to uh, give you a framework for uh, the differential diagnosis of atrial fib is the mnemonic atrial fib. So A stands for alcohol, T stands for thyroid disease, so hyperthyroidism manifesting uh, as a new onset uh, AFib or exacerbation of AFib. Uh, R stands for rheumatic heart disease or other structural heart disease. Uh, so those conditions would generally uh, predispose you to things like mitral stenosis, uh, which would put uh, stress on the atria and predispose to atrial fibrillation. Um, a is atrial myxoma, so another structural heart disease, which is a benign, benign tumor of the atria. Um, L are the lung processes, things like PE, pneumonia, or COPD exacerbation. Uh, the F stands actually for pheochromocytoma, uh, which is uh, adrenaline-secreting uh, tumor. I is idiopathic, and B is blood pressure, so hypertension. So in this particular patient, she did have a history of hypertension, uh, uh, and then there was ostensibly no other uh, risk factor for her atrial fibrillation. As far as the workup, the only mandatory test is an EKG if a patient has signs and symptoms of uh, 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 alternative uh, explanation like a lung problem or a cardiac problem, uh, they can undergo an ischemic workup or a workup for uh, PE, but the only mandatory test is an EKG. And then as far as treatment, uh, the three main uh, considerations are uh, consideration for cardioversion, uh, uh, rate control, and anticoagulation. Uh, 
Um, as far as cardioversion in general, if a patient presents with a well-defined time of onset, less than 48 hours, generally we uh, uh, have a risk-benefit discussion with the patient and offer a cardioversion. Uh, various electricities uh, or doses uh, of uh, electricity have been uh, suggested in protocols, but it's generally anywhere from uh, 100 to 200 joules. Um, as far as rate control, obviously that's something that we commonly do here. It's usually going to be diltiazem or a beta blocker. So, I mean, most of us use MD-Calc, uh, an online calculator, uh, and sort of predictably, just like other uh, sort of decision rules, you know, the higher risk you are for stroke, the more benefit you're going to get from anticoagulation. So the chads vas score, uh, it's congestive heart failure, hypertension, age, diabetes, previous history of stroke or TIA, uh, and then underlying vascular disease uh, with one or two points for each. And generally, if you can get up to two points, and so based on her uh, uh, female sex and the fact that uh, 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 she had a history of hypertension, uh, she had a CHADS VAS score of two, and if it's two or more, generally, uh, you anticoagulate. So we started her on Eliquis after we cardioverted her here, and she followed up with cardiology. So hopefully that gives you a framework uh, for uh, the differential diagnosis of AFib, uh, the management decisions uh, that we uh, undertake uh, to sort of optimize patient care uh, who comes in with nuanced AFib or uh, uh, paroxysmal uh, AFib. All right. Yeah. So, so all of them are sort of FDA approved. Uh, I mean, the newer oral anticoagulants, you know, obviously have the benefit of not requiring monitoring. Diet is not an issue, uh, avoiding vitamin K. Um, and then, uh, you know, as far as making a decision between Eliquis or Xarelto or Pradaxa, you know, they're, they're all considered basically equivalent. She had been on Eliquis in the past, had tolerated it, um, so we chose to do that. Yep, any other questions? All right, cool. Yeah, thanks.